This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is National Farmers Union President Roger Johnson. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The National Farmers Union Annual Convention, Driving the Future of Agriculture, begins Saturday, March 14th in Wichita, Kansas. National Farmers Union President Roger Johnson says the NFU strongly supports the current farm bill, the renewable fuel standard, and country of origin labeling. They don't support TPA for President Obama, and they won't support the latest proposal to amend the beef checkoff. Johnson says the NFU was a strong supporter of the price loss coverage tool in the new farm bill, and they wish now those numbers had been higher. You know, if we'd have had our druthers, we'd have probably nudged those uh, those, surpri- those support prices a bit higher, because it, it, on all the major commodities, the price levels that are written in there in PLC are below cost of production across the country. So, in no case, if if anyone is is getting uh, a, a subsidy payment under, let's say, PLC. In almost no case do they even end up making money that year. All they're doing is avoiding going backwards a lot more than they otherwise are going to go backwards a little bit because that level is set a bit lower. Even in the face of that, Jeff, there were a lot of folks who were saying the price levels that were being projected that were being covered in PLC were at such a level that the market was never going to hit them. You know, that, so they didn't pay that much attention because the market was so high during most of the debate, people never thought he'd get that low. Well, here we are. It's right now in a lot of places, the market's already dropped below those per price protection levels. So it's a, it's very important that we have these safety net programs, and in National Farmers Union is a strong supporter of them. Many of those supporting rural America would suggest that it is the ethanol industry that has really been a shot in the arm for crop producers and for incomes in rural America with the renewable fuel standard. There are those who would like to eliminate a program that is using about 5 billion bushels plus of corn a year. What are your thoughts of legislation that would reduce or eliminate the RFS? Terribly, terribly misguided. Uh, you know, I spent, before I became president of National Farmers Union here for the last six years, I spent a dozen years as the agriculture commissioner in North Dakota. And we spent literally a decade trying to do different value-added projects coming out of the devastation of the economic collapse in the 1980s all different kinds of programs and all different kinds of new business ventures, the vast majority of them failed, as is true for most new businesses. The one shiny success was what's happened in the renewable uh, energy industry and renewable fuels in particular, because we had, at the same time that we were doing this work of trying to stand up ethanol plants and other biofuel plants, we were able to get Congress to pass a long-term policy that looked out to the year 2022. It was a 15-year planning horizon. Uh, and that long-term policy was absolutely to this essential to the creation of the ethanol industry that we have today. 
and is just as essential for the continued growth of the next generation biofuel programs of tomorrow. We're just starting to see some of those plants open up a little later than what was projected. But, you know, we went through a major, not depression, but recession in between. Uh, And a lot of economic activity collapsed for several years. So a lot of those kinds of things slowed down, too. We can't be throwing the RFS now uh, out the door and expect that we're going to see continued forward movement in biofuels development in this country. It just isn't going to happen. House Agriculture Committee uh, Chairman Mike Conaway uh, shared with this microphone that he wanted to be sure to honor the commitments that had been made for those who had made an investment, especially in the second generation of renewable fuels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really important. Really important. And that's important because... You know, there is like some of the proposals that are floating around out there now are are saying, well, we don't corn ethanol is just fine. We don't need to have any sort of a, a renewable fuel standard for corn ethanol anymore. Let's just put it on second generation. The problem with that is corn ethanol is already largely up and running and is using about ten percent of the of the the total fuel supply, and you cannot build the next generation, which is a more expensive, more complicated technology, if you don't have a guaranteed access to the marketplace for it. That's what allowed corn ethanol to get to where it is, and that's exactly what's going to be needed in order for the next generation uh, in order to to be financially successful as well. So Chairman Conway is exactly right. We need to keep the we need to keep the policy in place. In farm policy gone by, there was a rule that was written on country of origin labeling. And that rule has been struck down a number of times from the World Trade Organization, has been struck down again, and in an appeals process, many fear that if there are not changes made to this law and the implementation, we could be looking at retaliation uh, because of a law that Congress approved again. What are your thoughts on country of origin labeling and What's your statement for the Canadians who you believe may be reading us wrong? Well, there's a bunch of questions there, but let me let me begin by saying that the vast majority of people in America want to know more and more about where their food comes from, not less. Some 90-plus percent of consumers want to know the origin of their food. The farmers and ranchers I know are pretty doggone proud of what they put uh, on the dinner plate for for Americans and others around the world, and they want to tell they want their label on those products as well. So there's a strong reason to have this. Now, even the WTO has said repeatedly in every one of the decisions it's made that laws supporting country of origin labeling, in fact, are in place in some 70 WTO countries around the world. The and they are justified, they are supportable, they are legal under the WTO uh, regime. Their issue was how the law was implemented, and they didn't like the fact that the rule that was put in place uh, didn't provide, in their opinion, enough benefit given the cost side uh, that was a part of that rule as well. So they said the balance wasn't quite right. That was their initial decision. USDA then subsequently rewrote the rule. The WTO, the next time they found fault with that, narrowed that decision significantly, found much less fault with it, and that is the decision that is now on appeal, uh, being argued right now in Geneva. Uh, probably going to be several months before I get a result out of it. 
Uh, and I think that the U.S. should win that case. I, I, our case is very, very strong, and we should win it, even if we don't win it. Then, and only then, is Canada in a position where they can seek retaliation. They can't get retaliation. They can seek retaliation. And that is a whole other process that they would have to go through at the WTO, and they would have to prove harm. Well, there was just a big study released by uh, Professor Dr. Robert Taylor out of Auburn University, which looked at the last 10 years of price interactions between uh, Canada and the U.S. and Mexico and the U.S. in the cattle industry and basically concluded there is no harm that has occurred to either of those countries' industries as a result of cool. Uh, And so even if we were to lose this case, the next step that Canada is going to have to take is they're going to have to go to the WTO and prove that they suffered loss before they are given the right to retaliate. We now have a very credible study, much more credible than the stuff that they've been talking about, that can go to the WTO and say, hey, listen, there was no, there's no loss, there was no harm done, and so even though there may be then a technical violation, in practical terms, there is no right to retaliate. We're a ways away from having this one resolved. There is legislation introduced now in Washington, Roger, that would eliminate the Cuban embargo and allow for more open trade between the U.S. and Cuba. It's good legislation. Uh, We support it. Um, Farmers Union has long had a position uh, of uh, supporting the lifting of the Cuban trade embargo. We've got lots of issues with how we think our government has not done a particularly good job in the the trade policy arena. Um, And there are lots of concerns about other countries having, you know, tariffs and non-tariff trade barriers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that we need to be fighting uh, in, in working to, to eliminate. But gosh, in the case of Cuba, this isn't any other country putting up a barrier. This is our own country saying we're not allowed to trade with this, with, with uh, our closest neighbor overseas. Um, and so we've long supported lifting the embargo. I will tell you that as North Dakota Agriculture Commissioner, I led eight different trade missions to Cuba um, in 2001 after the Trade Sanctions Reform Act was passed by Congress that allowed the limited sale of agricultural and food products to Cuba, but the Under the embargo, while the embargo remained in place, uh, lots of very tight restrictions related to that. But we sold a fair amount of agricultural products from from North Dakota to Cuba under the terms of of that uh, limited exception. And I think, you know, I've become quite accustomed to how difficult it is to do business with Cuba. and it's nobody gets that extra money. I mean, it's just an incredibly inefficient trading system that require required to follow. And the money, the extra money that, that gets lost is just lost because the system is so incredibly inefficient, which means we sell less, they're able to buy less, uh, and the benefits of those transactions are smaller than they otherwise would be. Roger, will the National Farmers Union be supportive of trade promotion authority for the Obama administration? No, 
We will not. Uh, we actually took that position at our last convention. Uh, and for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, at the time when we took that position, uh, the Obama administration was not asking for trade promotion authority. In fact, they were arguing against it. Uh, they only reversed themselves on that question uh, about two months ago in December. Uh, and so at the time we took the position, we were in sync with what the administration was asking for. Their argument then was, listen, we're so far into these negotiations, we, we think that we're going to bring back such a great proposal that once Congress has a chance to see this great proposal, they're going to be eager to grant us fast-track authority. And so that was the argument that they used then. We thought it actually made some sense at the time, um, and that remains our position today. The second reason I would say is that we have been pretty skeptical of the promises that are made with these trading agreements, not with respect to agriculture so much, because agriculture does really very well in the trading arena around the world. We Almost every year, we have a significant agricultural trade surplus. The rest of the country, however, has a deep, deep deficit in total when you look at the whole economy in total. There are those who say the countries that we negotiate with will not come with their best offer if they know that ultimately it will be the U.S. Congress and the House and the Senate who have the right to amend and then bring that back for further negotiation, that in essence you won't get the best trade deal or a trade deal if you don't give the administration TPA. And so if we end up with a trade deal that's not that good anyway, what's the difference? Let's turn one more uh, direction, if we can, Roger. The Beef Checkoff Enhancement Working Group apparently has come up with a memorandum of understanding that now is being presented to the various partners who are still at the table. How do you see their work, and how will the National Farmers Union receive that memorandum? I'm quite certain that we will not support the memorandum. Uh, you know, as most folks know on this uh this working group, we left the table after spending three years of talking in circles. Um, and the reason we left is because there are really two issues in front of us. There were one, are we going to change the way this outfit operates? And second, can we put another dollar into the checkoff? And the first question, change the way this outfit operates. Every other checkoff in the country has separated the politics from the checkoff. They've separated the policy organization, the organization that goes up on the hill and lobbies for or against farm bills, as an example, from the checkoff. The checkoff is totally apolitical. It just does research and development and promotional programs, and politics is nowhere as close to it. Only in the case of beef is that different. NCBA controls the beef checkoff, NCBA goes up on the hill and they lobby, in many cases, against the best interests of what we think they ought to be lobbying against. Uh, examples, they lobby against cool. They even lobbied against the farm bill. This last farm bill, they lobbied against final adoption of the farm bill. And so they need to be separated from the checkoff. In this latest memorandum that they've put together, uh, does not separate NCBA from the checkoff, just like 
pork is separated from the checkoff, like all the other commodity groups have been separated from the checkoff, in this case, NCBA refuses to let that happen. And so until that happens, we are not going to support an increase in the checkoff. Well, our guest this morning has been Roger Johnson. He is the president of the National Farmers Union. Roger, I've asked all kinds of questions. <laughs> this is Open Mike, and, and the mic is yours. Well, thanks, thanks a bunch for the for the chance to visit here. You know, uh, agriculture is a wonderful industry. As we started talking at the very outset, uh, that we're in a we're in a spot right now in agriculture where a lot of farmers are really doing pretty well from a financial standpoint, but are really worried from the from the future standpoint because commodity prices have come down so hard and so fast uh, in the crop sector. Uh, opposite is true in the livestock sector. But the result of all of this is that we've got relatively strong balance sheets out there. People are in pretty strong financial position. Uh, it's just a matter of how long is this down market now going to last uh, in the crop commodity side, and can people survive to it? I would say the area that we are most concerned about here is the young folks, the folks who've just gotten into the business of agriculture, uh, maybe have a year or two under their belt, and so they entered at a time when expenses were very high, uh, and now they're facing very, very low prices. And so uh, that's going to be an area of focus that we're going to have as, as we go forward. And I would also underscore uh, you know, some of the issues that we talked about, in particular, cool. I think for folks to argue against cool is to argue against where this country is ultimately heading. We are getting more and more advanced technology in this country. Consumers are more and more skeptical about all of us, what we do in agriculture. We need to figure out more ways of being more transparent with those consumers. And country of origin labeling is a perfect example of one of those ways to be more transparent, more honest, and be proud of what we produce out here uh, on the farms and ranches. And that's that's what we're going to have to do and more and more of in the future. Uh, Those who are opposing cool, I think, are fighting the battles of last century. And I'll just leave it at that. Our thanks to Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.